0: And so we're going to be in Ephesians chapter 4. We're talking about this campus is how to fight like a Christian. And I wanted to talk about something that applies to every person in this room. Because if you were here last week, if you have kids, you are blessed by that message. But if you don't, or your kids are grown up, or you don't want to have kids, or if you're a child, like uh, a child-rearing message, you know, it doesn't too, apply too much maybe at the, at the moment. But so I thought this week we would uh, cover all our bases this is something for everybody. So if you're in this room, if you're in any kind of relationship with anybody, you got a dad or a mom, you got a wife, you got a husband, you have a son, you have a daughter, you have a friend, you have a coworker, you have a boss, any kind of relationship, there's something here in this text for you, which I'm super excited to share. I really love this. This is the truth. Uh, the four points I'm going to give you are not new to me. My wife and I, six and a half years ago, we went through marriage counseling. It's a good idea for most marriages at some point to go through that. And we were there for almost a year, and one of the, one of the weeks, he went through this with us. So I remembered it from back then. It's really good stuff. If only I had applied it, it would have been amazing, but hopefully we can go forward and apply it. But this is for you, for everybody. If you're in a marriage, this is really for you. If you're with children, this is totally for you. If you have a boss who drives you crazy, uh, this is for you. So conflict, engagement, fighting. How do we, when there's conflict in relationships, um, fight like Christians? And there is going to be conflict because when I was young, I was naive and thought, you know, when you get married, you're just, everyone's great and there's harmony. But as you get to know anybody, they're going to have, you're going to have conflict. Anybody. We all annoy each other to some extent. If you get to know us enough, we all have our flaws, Right? And you see that person's flaws, they see your flaws. It could be your dad, and you know all your dad's flaws. And it totally drives you crazy. But how do we now move beyond that? Let's assume that we're all sinners, assume we're not perfect. What do we do now? How do we live lives in light of the gospel as Christians? How do we fight like Christians, argue like Christians? And there are two ways primarily we've seen this done. If you watch SportsCenter or... um, MSNBC or Fox News, you'll see this first side. And this is a side, um, maybe you have a dad that did this. People who are really combative, really loud. If there's an argument, they're just going to dominate and yell and argue. People who love to argue. Even when I was in grade school, there were kids on the bus who wanted to talk about who's better, Barry Sanders or Emmett Smith at running back, you know, and always just arguing about the dumbest things. There There are people who are naturally wired in this room Or you're thinking of somebody, like, yeah, my husband, he should be here to hear this. He's wired this way. He wants to just yell at everything and just drown out the conversation. And we all know that's an easy one, right? That's not healthy. That's not biblical. We all, that's like, that's an obvious one. My personal sin, my struggle is over on the other side. Those are the folks who, um, and I'll I'll have times when I yell and argue and all that, but my challenge is I'm a, a passive person. So what I'll do when there's conflict, I'll just stuff it deep inside for the sake of peace, not, not say anything, just bury it deep and just eventually get bitter, you know. And I'm seeking a counselor for this. I'm, I'm walking through with Pastor Gary. If you know him, he's amazing. If you need counseling, he's incredible. And he told me a couple weeks ago, he's like, Mike, dude, you really internalize all these things. You need to get it out. Like, you're going to go crazy. You're going to burn out if you keep stuffing these injustices, things that I feel have been wrong, have done to me wrong. I'll just not say anything. I'll stuff it in. That's not healthy or biblical either. So obviously to blow a gasket all the time, we know that's wrong. That's easy. But a lot of Christians, we know we're supposed to be nice. You know? We know we shouldn't be mad at people. So we go over here and defer to this other side, which is just as wrong. And the Bible has an amazing uh, middle ground for us. A biblical model of how to engage, how to fight like a Christian. So if you have a Bible, you could turn to Ephesians 4. If not, we'll have it on the screen for you. Verse 25, and while you guys are turning, can I get my water right there, hon? Can you bring that over here? Thanks. Shout out to my wife for the water. Thank you. Yes. I meant to bring it up here. All right. It says this. Therefore, this is the Apostle Paul writing to Christians, to the church, to us. Now, the first three chapters of Ephesians are his doctrine, his theology, his gospel. And now we get to chapter four. Now he's applying it to our lives, all right? He says, "'Therefore, put away falsehood. Let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger, and give no opportunity to the devil.'" Let the thief no longer steal, but let him labor doing honest work with his own hands so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. Let no corrupting talk come out of his mouth, but only as such as is good for building up, as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by which you are sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness, bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, so get rid of those, along with all malice, and instead be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, and now he brings it all the way back to the beginning, to the gospel here, as God in Christ has forgiven you. And we're going to break this down. I'm super excited to share this with, share this with you. I'm going to give you a lot of information, and I hope, uh, take notes if you want, or just put it on your phone. These four points would be helpful. First rule in fighting like a Christian, you guys Ready? Who's ready? First of all, you guys ready for this? Make some noise if you're ready. All right, you with me? These are these are good. These are gonna help you. This is not just some uh, theory, some theology up here, way out. We're gonna bring it down to your level here. First one, super simple, yet very difficult. Be honest. Speak the truth. Verse 25. So when you're in an argument, be honest. Speak the truth. Scripture says, "Having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth." What that means? Here's how it applies. When, when it comes to arguing, when it comes to us you 're having a conflict i 'll just tell you what 's easy to do. You have a conflict and you want to embellish your side of the story you know what uh, what you did that makes yourself make yourself look better make the other person look worse in that argument so you 're having a conflict and you 're not being honest you 're not stating facts you 're embellishing you 're making yourself you 're exaggerating your side and exaggerating their wrong it 's hard to Find resolution when both sides are not being honest. Simple point, yet it's hard to live out, isn't it? So next time you find yourself in an argument or a fight or a discussion, no. You know, don't make yourself look better than you were. Say what you said or what you meant to say and own it. There's times when my wife will say, what did you just say? And then I'll I'll embellish and lie and make myself look better than I did. But I need to own it. Tell the truth. Actually say what needs to be said. Don't exaggerate to make yourself look better. Don't justify your actions with your words. So be honest. Number two, and this one, totally convicting for me. Keep short accounts. Keep short accounts. Verse 26, it says, be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. What this means is to deal with today's problems today. And perhaps you've had somebody hurt you or offend you or say something about you that you really don't like. And instead of in that moment going to them and dealing with it and addressing it, you just stuff it deep inside. Remember I confessed that earlier? I do this. And you go about your day, and you just begin to burn slowly. Then you go about your week Next thing you know, months have gone by. Next thing you know, a year has gone by. And you're so mad at this person for the dumbest thing because you let the sun go down on your anger. You didn't deal with things today. And you might be wondering, okay, what's this weird thing doing up here? This is a rotisserie. You guys ever seen one of these? No? A few? A rotisserie. If you go to Strax or Whole Foods, they'll have rotisserie chicken. You can buy and I brought this up here as a visual aid for us because uh, I love visual aids. They help me understand and just remember things. You might remember this when we leave. So here's what happens. Somebody offends you. Someone hurts you. Someone says something to you or does something to you that you feel is so wrong. And we take that person and we put, put them in our heart, in our soul, and we just let them burn. You know, slowly let them burn. And there's burning you know, and if, if, you, if you pull him out in an hour, he'd be all right. You, you pull it out, you deal with it, you address it, it's okay. But we let this go on for days, for weeks, for months, for years. They're burning. Next thing you know, you know what happens if I leave this in here for a day? That chicken is charred beyond recognition. It's just completely charred, completely nasty. It wasn't that bad of a chicken to begin with. But we can make people in our heart look to be way worse than they actually are, can't we? This person committed some injustice to me four years ago, and to me, he is the axis of evil. He is up there with Hitler, and all he did was say something mean. You know, he's probably not, he probably do not even remember it anymore. Yet, we just let him burn. We let him burn. And I thought of this, and I thought of you, and I thought, maybe there's a husband in this room, and God put me up here to tell you, maybe it's time you take your wife out of the burner, Take it out. Take her out. Or wife. Maybe it's time you take your husband out of the burner. Go to him. Keep short accounts. This is what the writer's saying. Don't let the sun go down on your anger. It's not healthy. They say bitterness is like drinking poison, hoping the other person dies. And this is not healthy, is it? It's not Christian. It's certainly not healthy to just let things stew, let things burn. Those of us who aren't combative... We're prone to this if we're not careful, and God's calling us in this passage to don't let the sun go down. Go address it. Go deal with it. It's very hard. You got to put the big boy pants on or the big girl pants on, but it's time we take them out before they get charred beyond recognition and deal with it today. Deal with your problems today. Afterwards, we're going to have a potluck, so if you guys want to hang around, <laughs> be awesome. If you ask any cop, is, are there any policemen in the room by chance? Oh, we got one. Two. I bet if you ask these guys afterwards, what are the calls that they hate to take? Domestic disturbance, right? Why? Because there's people in that house who have been burning for years and they've never dealt with it properly. They've never sought counsel, they've never come to church perhaps and dealt with it here, they've never come to the altar and confessed. And so for years, I mean, you think, well, you guys married each other. What's your problem? They've been burning for years. So in his mind, she is black. She is charred. She's nasty. Even though we look at her, she's perfectly fine. She has her issues, but she's fine. He's fine. He has his issues. But in each other's souls, there's such darkness there because they never took him out of the burner. They never let the sun. They let the sun go down continually. They let years pass without resolving these things? Is that your relationship? If it is, this is worth your time just hearing that one point. Leave here and apply that to your life. Leave here and talk to each other. We'll go buy your wife dinner and talk through this. Don't let the sun go down on your anger. So point number one, be honest. Number two, keep short accounts. If that was helpful, if number two was helpful, make some noise. Wasn't that good? A few of us. That was helpful for me. Um, number three, I, I'm used to students, you know. And we, we, I teach to students all day, and they kind of yell at me and interact. So I'm a little bit out of my element here with everyone sitting there quiet. But if it's good, feel free to make some noise. Let me know, okay, that's a decent point, or hurry and get off the stage. We have a business meeting, so that is coming. You can look forward to that. Number three, this is a good point, too. Attack the problem, not the person. Counselor, six and a half years ago, looked me in the face, and he said, Mike, Attack the problem. Quit attacking your wife. Quit, quit attacking the person. The passage says this, verse 29, let no corrupting talk come out of your mouth, but only that which is good for building up, as fits the occasion that may give grace to those who hear. That's quite the challenge there. No corrupting talk, no nasty talk, only talk that's going to build that person up. It's so easy, though, in arguments and fighting to get personal, though, isn't it? Super easy to make it personal. Just take cheap shots that you know are going to dig that person. So here's some examples I thought of. These aren't amazing, but hopefully they'll be helpful. Examples of attacking the problem, not the person. So instead of saying to the person, you have no self-control. You're always spending my money. Don't do that. You could say, hey, uh, we've really been tight financially lately. Would you like to sit down? We could talk about our budget. Now we're... Now, we're engaging yourself not in a personal way. We're going to just look at the facts, look at the data. Instead of saying, hey, what's your problem? Why are you so moody? You could say, you haven't been at your best lately. Is there some way I can help you? Is there something bothering you? Is it something I said or did? Instead of saying um, in bosses, hey, dude, you suck at your job, which if a boss says that, that's, that's not good. But in theory, maybe one might say that. You suck at your job. You could say, Is there a part of your job that you're struggling with that you don't understand that I could help you with? So um, to lead with a question instead of an accusation is a huge difference. Uh, Questions build bridges. Accusations build walls. Right away, we all go on the offensive. You know, we get in defensive mode, get in attack mode. Lead with questions. And um, never use the words never and always when trying to work through disagreement or misunderstandings. So I was listening to a podcast the other day, and this was really helpful, actually. If you ever, as we approach um, the election, there's going to be lots of disagreements. I've already, last week I had a little disagreement with somebody politically. Lots of political disagreements. And I listened to this podcast, and the guy gave me a great question. He said, instead of just getting all heated, if you watch the news, you'll see people get heated and just take personal shots and just get nasty. Instead of just combating with each other, arguing, a good question to ask, like if you're around the dinner table and there's disagreement politically, ask the person, what led you to that point of view? What led you to that position? And you'll get to hear their side, their logic, their thinking. Isn't that great? What led you to that position? Instead of just accusing them or coming off nasty, now you gotta kind of want to know. And it doesn't mean you have to take their position at the end of the day, but you're seeking to understand before you seek to be understood. Huge difference. Seek to understand Lead with questions before you try and be understood. A lot of kids, I talk to a lot of students, have parents who the kids down here are feeling like their parent is trying to make them understand. I would challenge parents in this room, seek to understand first. Before you start coming down on them too hard, ask them questions. What's going on? Uh, What led you to do that? What, you know, questions, probing questions that aren't accusatory in nature, but you're trying to figure out, you're trying to understand their heart who they are? What's going on in your life? How can I help you as a dad? What do you need from me? Have I said anything that's hurt your feelings? Have I said anything that has pushed you away? I want to resolve that. Lead by example with your students, with your kids. Um, keep Be honest. Keep short accounts. Attack the problem, not the person. Here's two good verses really quick. Proverbs 18, 21. The tongue has the power of life and death. Words can heal or words can hurt. Proverbs 12:18 The words of the reckless pierce like swords but the tongue of the wise brings healing. Good verses. So Paul's calling us in this passage to use words of grace, words that zero in on the problem not the person, words that get to the real issue, words that encourage and build up. Finally, last point, act, don't react. Act, don't react. This is verse 31. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Those are reactions. Instead, he says in verse 32, sorry, my throat's a little hurting today. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. So you got some reactions here. We are prone to react, aren't we? Paul's calling us to be proactive, to act. Not react. Really quick, I'll work through these. Bitterness. What's bitterness? It's this negative, embittered, resentful spirit which doesn't want to be reconciled. Wrath is when you fly off the handle. Anger is this grudge, it's rage that's had time to stew. That's anger. Clamor is the loud assertion of an angry person. Slander is when you talk about somebody behind their back, you're stabbing them in the back when they're not there. You're talking about somebody instead of to somebody. And finally, malice is this umbrella term that covers all these emotions that do not build the other person up. So he's saying, don't do these things. And we're so prone. This is our natural state, right? Someone hurts us. We're in an argument. We're in a fight. That's where we go. These are not the fruit of the Spirit, but that's where we go naturally. And he's saying, get rid of those. Don't react. Quit reacting. Instead, be proactive and act. And here's what he says. Be kind, compassionate, and forgiving. Easy to preach, easy to hear, super hard to do, right? Kindness means virtuous. It means be good. Compassionate is someone who is deeply concerned with someone else's struggles or challenges. You're just deeply concerned with where they are, what's going on. Hey, my parents are in the room. Shout out to you guys in the back. Nice to see you. Yeah. Say hey to my mom before you leave. She's awesome. And my dad, too. This is actually my dad's rotisserie. I, he helped me with this amazing illustration that you guys will remember for life. <clears throat> Finally, forgiveness. Forgiving someone, that's super easy to say. But to forgive someone in your life who's hurt you, it's really hard to do, isn't it? The only way we'll ever do it is when we understand that God and Christ forgave us. We're so overwhelmed by the gospel That we want to now take it and apply it to this person who hurt us. And it could be a giant hurt. It could be small things. That coworker who said something kind of mean and you you don't know how to take it. Keep short accounts. Forgive him. You don't have to go to him all the time. We just move on. Forgive and move on. Be kind. Be compassionate. Forgiving one another. C.S. Lewis says, to be a Christian means to forgive the inexcusable because God has forgiven the inexcusable in you. And Lewis Smead writes, to forgive is to set a prisoner free and discover that the prisoner was you. Forgiveness. Paul's saying, act, be kind, compassionate, forgive. Don't just wait to react. Act, be proactive, take control. That's how you fight like a Christian. Last year, I had a person write the most slanderous email about me, and they sent it to me. And, um, you know, a lot of things are wrong with me, a lot of issues, but I felt like all of his points were unjustified, like they were invalid, you know? And so if this is something that I feel is accurate, you know, I'll deal with it, but in this case, he didn't know what he was talking about, in my opinion. He's just out of thin air, just writing all these things. And so as soon as I got it, I began to burn with rage, and anger, and I began to craft the most masterful, well-written email you've ever seen, breaking down each point he made, decimating this guy, just destroying him. And to my shame, I had sinned. And I wish I could take that one back. I was not kind, compassionate, and forgiving. And I do that, I've done that enough, I've sent enough text messages I wish I could take back that I think Paul is really onto something here, and the Holy Spirit knows what he's talking about here. Be kind, compassionate, forgiving. Be quick to take people out of the burner. Be honest. Keep short accounts. Attack the problem, not the person. Harboring bitterness, it says, is like trying to hurt the other person by drinking a cup of poison yourself. I've so done that. So I want to put the four points up here. You got them here? Be honest, keep short accounts, attack the problem, not the person, and act, don't react. And that's a lot, right? It's a lot to chew on. What I want you guys to do, each person in this room, this is for everyone here from four years old to 94, which one of those in your mind, in your heart, really convicts you? Which do you see as a problem in your relationships? For me, as I mentioned, it's number two. There are all those I can work on, but number two, as I was preparing this, really convicted me. So I'd like you guys to pick one. Because if I say do all four, good luck with that. But you can, you can do one. This week, find one. What are you going to do? Are you going to be like me and take people out of the, out of the burner? That would be a good one. Take one, write it down, put it on your phone, write it on a card, put it in your car, and say, this week, I'm going to do that. Imagine how this church The relationships here, the homes in this building right here could be transformed if we applied these to our lives. Wouldn't that be incredible? Imagine the parenting that could be improved, the marriages that could be transformed if we treated each other in this way. God knows what he's talking about. The challenge is for us to actually apply his principles to our life. That's the hard stuff. But we can start in little chunks. How do you eat an elephant? Bite by bite, you know, little bit by bit. So let's just pick one. You guys got your one? You guys all got one? Find one, write it down, chew on it, and apply it to your life this week. By God's grace, may it transform and change our relationships. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I pray you would uh, help the relationships in this room as we fight, we argue, we have challenges and disagreements hurdles, hurts, wherever there's people, there's sin, and wherever there's sin, there's injustice and hurt, and it's hard to navigate all of this, and we've wronged people, and we've certainly been wronged, God, I pray you would help us fight like Christians, argue like Christians. Resolve conflict like Christians. As you have loved us, help us love others. As you have been gracious to us, help us be gracious to others. And I pray that one of these points would find itself deep in our heart. would Bury itself deep in there. And that this week we would apply it to our relationships. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.